0: This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Van. Show's on for like ten seconds now, mm-hmm. and Sammy's already screwed up the lineup.
1: <laughs> oh God, Sammy! This is a new hand- record. He can't handle it after yesterday.
0: So f- I, I'm reading off the top, Real Kipper and Born show, season two, episode 124. That's good. Okay. Derek Brandeo, David Sisboomba, Sammy McKee, uh, present, present, present. So far, so good. Then he goes 3 p.m., Real mm-hmm. Kipper and Born yep. live on Sportsnet 590. Mm-hmm. We are not on Sportsnet 590 today because uh, our I, beloved Blue Jays are on.
1: That's right. Who are up four nothing?
0: I, I haven't changed
2: that top part since day show one day one. from the exact same.
0: I didn't even. I don't even look at that. You have like anymore. this, uh, like huge template that you just kind of just.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah,
0: so you don't actually fill out like every day. It's too much work to, to, to know, make a new one every blanking day.
1: Blank blinking cursor every day. The renewed but, vigor to hold Sammy's feet to the fire over the uh, the lineup. I listen, is, I love it.
0: We I, are I mean, on I, Sportsnet. Sportsnet's YouTube channel. Hey, everybody. If you're,
2: like, there's, you know, there's other things going on. I I got nothing for you guys. Are
1: tonight. you saying this is not priority 1A today? No, it is. It is. <laughs> Big
2: we are game tonight.
0: Sportsnet now. Yes. We are on iTunes and Spotify. Ooh. That's good. Lovely places. And Sammy is a million miles away from this show right now. Jays <laughs> are on. And the Masters. We're on an alternate stream. That means absolutely nothing to us, Derek. <laughs> I have no idea. What
3: that I means. haven't got like alternate what is, stream.
0: What does that mean? So when you and go to the flash. Care. So when you go to the flash player for
1: 590.ca, uh-huh. there's a choice. You can listen to stream one or
2: stream two.
1: Or Stream 2. Okay.
2: Which is what we are on currently as well. Okay. okay.
0: All right. For those four people out there, we're glad you're aboard.
1: We're friends and family on Stream 2. Thank yeah. you for joining us. We appreciate
0: it. Really, really <laughs> glad. Really glad. Uh, so, kind of hard, I got to admit, tearing uh, me anyways away yeah. from the, uh, the monitor to watch the Masters. It's so amazing, though, that... This may be the only sporting world, uh, sporting event in the world mm-hmm. where they don't care about money.
1: The Masters, no, uh, they're just like, yeah, we'll be on at three
0: o'clock. We'll be on at three o'clock. Uh, we don't really care for uh, commercials. We're not. Our, our hot dogs are still like a buck fifty. Yeah, it's like it.
1: You know, though, Kip, I think they probably still make some money.
0: I have no doubt.
1: I actually saw a thing today. They expect to sell at Augusta $70 million worth of merchandise so, every Masters tournament. As Sammy is wearing one I, of those $40 I dad feel, hats feel, that cost seven cents to make.
2: I feel really bad because Adam Stanley, who does a spectacular job covering uh, the Masters and covering golf for Sportsnet, good friend of mine, he's at the Masters. He's coming on the golf show on Saturday morning with me and Gunnar live from Augusta. It's great. Wow. And we have a group chat going. And I'm like, hey, uh, Stanley, I wouldn't mind it. A- Rope hat from the from the uh, you know the, the gift shop, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah. And I've been sent this article with the picture of the gift shop like five times now. Yeah. Where it's just like it's literally a. <laughs> you a sent woodstock to woodstock. <laughs> yeah, I, to get yeah. some- <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, I think I may be getting empty handed here. Yeah. Maybe not getting the rope pat that I desire from uh,
0: from Augusta. Yeah,
1: they,
2: they and if I do,
0: I'll, I'll be giving them a couple extra bucks
2: for th- uh, getting the
1: service fee. Yeah, for sure.
0: Just because we're not on Sportsnet five ninety, the fan doesn't mean we have a bad show. <laughs> it, it, we in fact have a but, good but show but the masters may mean that we're you know not focused <laughs> but distracted. that's a different story distracted. but we've got great guests we're gonna have uh andy brickley from the boston bruins help us tee up oh by the way there's a toronto maple leafs versus the boston Bruins. Oh, buddy i'm fired up <sighs> he'll be about uh he'll be by in about uh 15 minutes bruce gabby bruce there it is Boudreau will join us as well in about uh, 40 minutes. And then Jason, uh, Jason Bukala, of course, friend of the show all season long, scouting, former NHL scout, uh, currently writing for Sportsnet.ca. He's going to come by and talk about the Final Four, yes. in the NCAA, where for Leaf fans, it's all about Matthew Nyes.
1: Yeah. For the Gophers, it's no more Mr. Nyes guy.
2: Sorry, he's Very good.
1: Here. Yeah, thank you.
2: Did you want to talk about the... Comparables now, or did you want to save that till
1: we get on back? the nice stuff? Let's yeah. save it a little bit. Eh? All right. yeah. yeah. All right.
0: Okay. So, as so we tee up Toronto and Boston. It's coming off, guys. And before we get into that, do want to talk a little bit about last night Tampa and New York? Now yeah. I didn't. Oh I, I, I focused on uh, Calgary and Winnipeg, mm-hmm. but
2: I was putting on a show with the there, there's
0: night. There was enough about that game to know that it was just not a typical end of the season mail it in regular season game. Yeah. It it was it was nasty.
1: I think it sets the stage for Leafs Boston tonight about teams who may have to play in the playoffs, so not just letting that game go by.
0: Yeah. And which kind of brings me up the the topic of how like would you like to see it that nasty and listen, you you know me. I do know you. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, I'm not sure it serves a purpose to go that hard, that intense. Like, were there fines today off yeah. of that game? Yeah. Cologne, Cologne for the
1: slash. Are and our, who else go go Perry got Perry one Hagel got one, maybe. No pay, Pe- but there was a bunch of moments in that game that were pure mayhem.
0: My 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 whole point in all of this is: is there upside if? the Leafs in Boston played that hard that that nasty
1: the only way I see it as an upside is not if the Bruins bring it to the Leafs you already know what the Bruins are about and how they've played and all that but it would certainly say something to me if the Leafs went into Boston and said you know we don't like you guys and went right at them a little bit I, I think that would be pretty noteworthy and surprising which is why
0: I don't well, expect it to happen well Do they need to remind themselves that by by watching Tampa and the Rangers last night, that there could be an element of their game that could surface in the playoffs? So maybe we should test it out a little bit. It's like...
1: Tampa's been testing it, though. Like, they're in those
0: scrums every other week. I don't even think that there's a a close second for... for, I'm not... For goon shows? They just have brawls every night. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not gonna say that they're the toughest team in the league because we know there's most
1: willing to fight though.
0: Nastiest, yeah. ugliest, uh drag you into the alley team. Yes. Yeah. So is this is this where Tampa's heading right now? Is this is last night something that the Leafs can expect in game one?
1: You know, it, it's not like Tampa played that way in game one last year after still having a pretty similar reputation. It's just it's all those little things where, like last night, the play that sparks it is there's a, a great scoring chance, the Lightning almost score, Shesterkin's down and out, and then from a zone behind comes Brandon Hagel, who still spears at the puck and gets Shesterkin and makes some people angry. They're not afraid to say... And then say, it was Klorin
0: that came in. And, was it you No, know, It was Klorin, they so...
1: They're not afraid to deliver the direct F.U., even in a way that's not like we're tougher than you. Just we do not care if this makes you mad. And I think that's admirable. That's what you can expect but, to see. I mean,
2: not to sound like a broken record, boys, but we've been talking about this basically since the inception of the show. The difference between the Leaf stars and the Lightning stars is the F.U. factor. Mm-hmm. And that's like like we were texting about it last night. corn. Knew exactly what he was going to happen. He knew that was
1: going to make some people mad.
2: Like, you can't come in on the maybe the best goalie or second best goalie in the league or any goalie for that matter, 35 seconds after he's got the puck frozen and just jackknife him in the you know what with your stick. Yeah. Like, how do you think that's going to go? So, you got Corey Perry, slew footing, truba. Like, they're truba just a. Fell
1: in his brain.
2: They're just a greasy bunch.
1: Yeah. Perry's such a greaseball, man. That was such. I don't know, you guys to see this. Yeah. Did you think it was dirty?
0: You know. It it was it was typical Corey Perry where he he can make stuff look accidental or sure. he can put it on the border. And that was a, he's wedging himself between Truba and the boards. Yeah. And just getting a piece like, of a leg. I, I had nowhere else to go. Oh, it was my only point. that's right. such a good point. Yeah. I had nowhere else to, to go. Do? Where am I gonna you go? Show me where I was supposed to go. So if you know, if <laughs> if bodies and legs happen to collide or make contact yeah. I I don't know what happens to him.
1: Yeah. Meanwhile, he could have just stopped, you know, or stepped around him or whatever. But so he gets piece of a guy. Trouba's in an awkward spot and gets hurt. Uh, And Rangers fans are unhappy. So they should be. So anyway, I think it is noteworthy that that game was high intensity. Yeah. Great hockey playoff tone. I am curious tonight if this, you know, the Bruins are not playing Hall. They're not playing Crecci. I'm curious to see if these teams treat it as like a, hey, we'll see you later in playoffs type of thing. Or not,
0: which they've had a lot of games in the last two weeks where they have sat out key guys and they have not presented themselves as uh, giving up two points easy.
1: Right. I am curious to know we the lineup tonight though has everyone going for the Leafs like O'Reilly's in they're they're to the nines if I'm not
0: mistaken. Okay, let's go to Sheldon Keefe on our first Kippers Clipper playing Boston.
3: You just know any time you're playing Boston uh, that it's going to be a very difficult game. It's going to be a game in which you're going to have to find a way to beat them. They're not going to beat themselves. Uh, and then, you know, you look at, you know, their last six games have either gone to overtime or been one-goal games, and uh, it's, that's an indication of the fact that they're in every game and, and hanging around. Um, Yet they find ways to win so uh it's it's going to be challenging it's a challenging game mentally it's a challenging game physically just because of how they play and what they bring but you know the most important thing for us is is just to continue to focus on our game and uh, I think we've done a lot of really good things here of late and it's a great opportunity for us to put it up against a great challenge like Boston
1: Sammy made a good point yesterday about how Boston has not gonna say they've been scuffling, but you know they snuck by the Blues in a shootout. They lost to the Blackhawks a couple weeks ago. Like Keith mentioned, a lot of one-goal games. It's not like you know they've been the best version of themselves, but they haven't been healthy. And you know we'll see what we'll see what uh, yeah. they have tonight. Yeah, and
0: you know, we did. And I'll bring back Tampa a little bit in the equation, but there, there's another team that that presented itself uh, since January as a uh, as an unpredictable team. Not so much the Boston Bruins, as you just mentioned, but uh, it's, it's hard to kind of cross it over the finish line a little bit here, too, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, how do you get up every single night when it's, you know, where you're finishing for so long? And, you know, we, we joke about all oh, the poor Leafs and, you know, knowing their opponent, the Bruins can't uh, have been unable to affect their outcome in the playoffs for a long time here. So yeah, you, you can forgive them for being a little sleepy at times. I think.
0: All right. Uh, also in the lineup, Ryan O'Reilly for the first time.
1: Vlad just hit one a
0: million miles. By the way,
1: home that run Jays six that nothing is an absolute nuke. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> like, a a five
0: bomb. nothing sir. Yeah, that that was like vapor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just saw a hundred and
2: seven mile per hour, four hundred and thirty six uh, foot one homer. strikeout so far for Vladdy this year.
0: All right, in is, like uh, thirty at bats. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Can uh, Ryan O'Reilly have an ad bat? That Vladdy just had tonight oh, against Boston.
1: Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think he's got the heat. I don't think he's got the bat speed anymore, Ryan O'Reilly. But what's... You,
0: We're going to see him on the third line. Yeah. And is this going to be one of those games where, like, what? however the game goes, however it's presented, you want to see him stay there for 60 minutes? Would you like to see him switched halfway through... You want to see more juggling or do you want to see a lineup that's locked, loaded for 60 minutes?
1: I mean, I have no idea what their thought process is with all this. I think what I want to see is that he's able to play with any pace. I know he's not a pretty skater, but you just like to see him win some pucks back, make some plays. I just want to feel like he's playing well. I don't really care what the line combination is or where he's playing right now. This is perfect to me. Coming back with four games to go, that's enough hockey to get yourself ready to go for game one.
2: I'm really looking forward to seeing him back in there. Yeah. Like, you know, you got the the, the taste of him in there, and then he breaks his finger, and it's been so long. They've been interchanging all these guys, and 11 and 7, and you look at this lineup tonight, and you're like, okay. Yeah. Here we go. Looking like a playoff lineup, going into a big building. This is a... I like to, me and JD on Leafs Talk, like to talk about Go Leafs Go games. Yeah. Where, like, you you get one from the group text where the guys are a little bit more fired up and people start sending the Go Leafs Go game, you know, around. It's a Go Leafs Go game tonight. That's great. People are excited about this. It's been a long time without one, I would imagine. Yeah, it's just boring. Like, they've been playing meaningless hockey against kind of crappy teams for a long stretch here. And you're going in against a team that's already won the President's Trophy in a hostile building with a ton of dark. Memories in this place. It's a big game tonight, and I know the Bruins probably don't think of it like that, but the Leafs should.
1: We uh, we do have a clip on O'Reilly. If you want to listen to uh, Sheldon Keith talking about him coming back from injury,
3: obviously our f- first experience of him coming back from an injury. But I think it can only help. Uh, just how like he's looked in practice and the reps he's gotten with us. It doesn't look like he's missed a beat. You know, uh, you know, just before the trade, you know, he had come back from an injury in St. Louis and. Uh, came flying out of the gates and and was a terrific player there for him right away. So I think that does speak to the fact that he knows what he needs to be prepared, and uh, you certainly know that he's not going to let anything slip through the cracks in terms of preparation. Uh,
0: Not that he needs added pressure, but he, he has to be a differential for the Leafs. When you really think about how they went out, and they handpicked this guy. Mm-hmm. And I know hindsight's twenty twenty. We can all look back and say, okay, the big names of the trade deadline and who should have gone where, and maybe you should have done this instead of that. But they got this guy early, yeah. JB. Yeah. Right? And they got him before uh, Chicken was traded, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they got him. Uh, who's the other defenseman? Was it... Was it? Uh, oh,
1: Ekman. Sorry, Ekman uh, Larson Ekholm. was traded. They handpicked.
0: Ekholm, yeah, they. they yeah, Ekholm. Yeah. They 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 handpicked Ryan O'Reilly before Ekholm was mm-hmm. traded, knowing that Ekholm was on the market. Yeah, I'm not sure. Did Orlov go before Ryan O'Reilly? Possibly. I
1: think, I think Orlov went after Ryan
0: O'Reilly. Maybe after. Yeah. So
2: it was like the day or two after. Okay.
0: So my point in all of this is that like, you you had assets. The first, yeah. the second, the third, and the fourth. And we know that uh, Achari was in that involved. But you went and got this guy first mm-hmm. before you thought that, more so than you thought you needed. You spent your money on a fur co- coat before you had shoes. Right? <laughs> so he has to, he has to be her, yeah. feeling that he's now coming back off this injury and he's got five games to go. Mm -hmm. a handful of uh, uh, games to go to get ready but he has to be that the the x factor
1: you know he Keith mentioned O'Reilly coming back off injury and looking good after that injury when he came to the Leafs a couple games to get settled he looked really good by game four or five you know you've got that same sort of four or five game run here before playoffs I also think like isn't his dad like a mental health or mental strength coach type of guy like O'Reilly is someone who puts a lot of Time and effort into preparation, being ready—you know, like being that guy. So, you know, those are reasons I'm hopeful that he will live up to the things you're talking about. But there's no doubt that the decision to get him puts more pressure on him than you know. What were he a last would you second? What know at. about pressure? <laughs> there
0: it so is. So, we are a little over four weeks since that trade deadline. Yeah. And if you talk about when the Leafs traded for. O'Reilly, it's probably five, five weeks, five and a half weeks. Now we're at April third. Let me ask you this question: That I'll do the hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. But was Ryan getting Ryan O'Reilly more important for the Leafs to get a, that type of guy up front, or a a a, a defenseman that's probably known and has the reputation of uh, of an Eckholm or an Orlov uh on defense and that's not to disrespect McKay but but he's mm-hmm. not quite in that class, correct? Right. Okay. Yeah. So are you are you still okay that the assets went to Ryan O'Reilly instead of a more prominent defenseman? And I only say this because I cannot believe the the uh, the effect that Ekholm's had on Edmonton.
1: I will say when we talked about Eckholm prior to him going to Edmonton, I don't know if none of us had seen him enough, but you know we had uh, was a panger in here said yeah. I don't know you know Ekholm getting older he might be slowing down a bit you know I I he's looked so good in Edmonton that
0: but he's, he's, he's remarkable he's changed that whole thing right. he's re slotted uh, Darnell Nurse and it's just so now- I, yeah
1: I don't know I don't know that it, I knew. How effective he could be. So maybe I wasn't as passionate about it being him. I also don't know that the assets that got O'Reilly would have got him, but no, I mean if you asked me today what which I would have preferred, you know, Eckholm or O'Reilly, it'd be Eckholm, but then you gotta switch it to, you know, how much do you value Nola Chari? Who's been pretty darn yeah. good.
0: Yeah. And listen, it, it was still uh, six million dollars that you had to fit in. Uh I don't yeah. think uh did, uh, they got double retention Nashville? on
1: O'Reilly. So, O'Reilly, they're paying 1.74 or something. And
0: yeah. th- there is that fitting in the cap yeah. uh, equation of it. Sure. Yep. But do you think the, the, the Leaf pairings would have been a lot more solidified with a, a guy that had the presence of an home?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, not to, like, trivialize what's a worthwhile conversation, but, like, yeah, I think the D would look better with a better player on it. You know?
0: Ekholm. O'Reilly, or I'm sorry, Morgan <laughs> Riley, right?
1: Sure, yeah. Now you're talking, that sounds good. <laughs> that
0: would have been a little different,
1: yeah. Eckholm played the right side at yeah.
0: all, anyway. Um, but I'm just wondering now, the I'm a big fan of Ryan O'Reilly, big family, uh, big fan when uh, he won the cup in St. Louis. And uh, Andy Brickley knows all about that, Boston Bruin analyst. They went to the final against Ryan O'Reilly's team in St. Louis. Let's welcome him in. Brick, how are you, pal? I'm doing great. I'm
4: looking forward to tonight. Love when Boston and Toronto get together, especially over the last decade or so. It's always been entertaining hockey, and I expect nothing nothing different tonight.
0: Hey, forget about the entertaining hockey. It's always a lot more fun when you win, when you watch <laughs> the right team win, um, and that's been the case for <laughs> sure. And you've seen an awful lot, Brick, of, of the Boston Bruins this season winning, and I'm just wondering now, Beginning of the season, could you ever have seen anything like what we've seen out of them so far during the regular season?
4: No, that was the topic of conversation back in September. What is this Bruins team going to be? And actually, what is it even going to look like? I mean, it took a while before they started to put that team together and construct the team. Needed an answer from Bergeron. Was Krejci coming back? You had three guys on the shelf. Uh, You know, all three very important. But even more so when you start talking about Brad Marshall and Charlie McAvoy, along with Matt Grizzlick who's had a terrific year, too. so uh, And you had a new coach. So you know, were you going to be able to improve on a 51-win, 107-point season that they had the year before? And I think everybody thought probably not. I think people thought that they certainly had enough talent and enough uh, structure and enough you know experience to be a playoff team. But to see them run the table the way they've done this year, no one, no one expected that or predicted that.
1: So, Brick, where are they in terms of being at full strength health-wise going into the playoffs? Obviously, we know fully loaded. They're a weapon tonight. It sounds like no Krejci. Hall still, uh, you know, hurt a little bit. Where, where are, Where's the whole team in terms of injury status?
4: Yeah, I don't know Derek Forbert's status right now. Uh, what I understand is that he will be ready come playoff time. Uh, I've been to practice, obviously, the last week and a half to see the progression of Taylor Hall, of Nick Felino. Got to get an idea where they're at. I know that uh, Hall was long-term IR, and maybe there's some salary cap, in, in, you know, issues there that they got to work out if he's going to come back and play in the lineup. But uh, I know they had to recall Oscar Steen because Gracie is not going to play tonight, as you pointed out. Hall not ready to go just yet. But you know, on my observation of practice, uh, both players. Felino still in the non-contact jersey, but Hall took full. He was full in practice yesterday. Looked like he was getting ready to to maybe be in the lineup tonight, if not Saturday or Sunday. They have another back-to-back on the weekends. They finished the season with four of those. Uh, that being said, uh, yeah, my my expectation is between now and then, barring any further injury to any current player that's healthy and contributing right now, that they will be completely 100% healthy, ready to go come game 83.
0: And just the chemistry uh, between uh, Swayman and, and the year Allmark is having and just seemed every time we had a goaltender conversation there was only really two goalies that 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 anyone ever talked about vasilevsky and chesterkin and you know we've seen sorokin come up uh, quickly this season and allmark is he getting all of the love that he deserves or does he deserve to be the guy that says hey just show us what you can do in the playoffs now
1: yeah,
4: I mean, the concern for you know, Bruins Nation, those that think the sky's falling, you know, they've only won the one cup in 50 years. So uh, when it comes to postseason, they expect bad news. So they point to the lack of playoff experience and the lack of playoff success when they look at this great goaltending tandem. Instead of just looking at the body of the work this year and where they are in their careers and where they are, you know, in terms of the level of play and you know, he talked about the team being a real surprise. I think Linus solmak was a bit of a surprise how well he's played right from game one. You know, it's been a different guy in net. He's let the game come to him more. He's not chasing the play. He's not out of position. His rebound control has been excellent. He's been square when there's been second and third opportunities. His ability to handle the puck has been very good. His confidence, obviously, sky high. I mean, what a night when he scored the goal in Vancouver. That was a big celebration love the fact that he went by the bench for the high five. That was pretty funny. Uh, But, yeah, just his ability. You know, they both want the net, and that's the thing you like about them. They're both hungry. They're both competitive, but they understand that this is a tandem. What's best for the team? Who's going to play? Who gives us the best opportunity? And they're willing to go along with that. They both want to play. They both want to be the number one. They both want to play in the playoffs, but it doesn't get in the way of the ultimate goal, and I think that's what everybody appreciates about these two guys.
1: One of the stories here in Toronto this year has just been the line machinations and who's going to be with who and trying to figure out what to do there. Uh, You guys obviously have the, you know, once famed perfection line. Uh, I know they don't play together uh, as much now. Well, what the, what is the sort of line juggling look like this year for Boston? How do you think that's going to settle heading into playoffs?
4: Yeah, because of the the huge lead that they've had, you know, as far as nobody going to catch them, it's allowed them since the trade deadline pretty much, maybe a little after that, to experiment, you know, moving people around, looking at different combinations on the back end once they acquired Orlov. Uh, I think they pretty much had an eye that Hathaway would be part of that fourth line, try to establish an identity, a little bit more sandpaper, toughness. Uh, And he and Noshik have been a nice tandem. It's kind of been a rotating left side, depending on who's healthy and who they want to play there. But, yeah, I mean, the top six is pretty much cemented, provided, you know, everybody's healthy, and the only one missing right now is Krejci, and that's more maintenance than anything else. But, yeah, it would be Bergeron between Marchand and DeBrusque. That's been pretty standard uh, all season long when everybody's been ready to play. And then they have the check line together, uh, you know, the the arc, the – the growth arc or the maturation process of the game of one Pavel Zak has been tremendous this year. and He's right at home on that left side with Krejci and Pasternak. On the right side, obviously, Pasternak's had a phenomenal year with the 50-plus and the 100-plus. Uh, he's just been a game-breaker, awesome on the power play, even though the power play struggled for about a 20-game segment. And then it's Taylor Hall. He's the wild card right now. I've been on long-term IR, but the expectation is that he would play with Coyle on a third line, probably on the left side. And with the addition of Tyler Bertuzzi, he would be the right-side guy on that line, though he's played very limited in terms of right side uh, with both Foligno and Hall on the sidelines. So that's the way it went yesterday at practice before Krejci left early. Then they had to move some pieces around. And that would move Trent Frederick down to the fourth line or Foligno on the fourth line, depending on who you want on that left side. So that's kind of the way it's lining up when you start talking about game one, of round one, but you know how that goes. <laughs> that yes, can change in a whisper, you know.
0: We're talking to Andy Brickley, Boston Bruin analyst, former National Hockey League player, uh, does a terrific job for Nesson and uh, calling the game tonight uh, for his crew against the Toronto Maple Leafs. When I look at uh, the success of the Boston Bruins, something doesn't match up quite like I I think it usually would for for a top team. And I I look at uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins became the third player on the Oilers to score 100 points, Uh, and he's in pretty good company now with uh, the two big boys. But then I look at uh, the Boston Bruins with Pasternak over 100 points, and then the drop-off is is quite uh, extensive for me at – at, at 63 and 57, respectively, with Marchand and, and uh, Bergeron. And, I mean, let's start, with, uh, let's start with Marchand and just the fact that uh, he's, he scored 20 goals this year, just a little over 60 points. How do you sum up his year um, with those type of numbers on a top team?
4: Yeah, to explain the numbers, uh, I would defer to his commentary, which is he still doesn't feel right from off-season surgery when he had the double hip procedure. Came back early, that surprised everybody. Played with a lot of adrenaline initially and had some big games point-wise. But as the season has dragged on and, and when it's become really difficult when they're playing 15 games in 25 days like everybody across the league – It becomes more of a grind. And, you know, even he, with his tremendous confidence and belief in himself and his will to be one of the best players and impact the score on a nightly basis, it hasn't been there on regularity for him. And he'll tell you that, you know, battles that he normally wins, especially late in the shift, haven't been there. You know, when he's able to create an offensive chance or a two-on-one or, you know, make a steal in the offensive zone and attack the net, that, that hasn't been there on a consistent basis for him all year long. He had stretches where it was there, but it's kind of been come and go. And uh, And he's still working on that. He doesn't want days off. He doesn't believe that's the issue. He needs to work through what's hurting him right now. And I think that's hurt his production. I think Bergeron is just the natural progression of a career, you know. I mean, he puts out so many fires. He does so much for this team, you know. When you think you're in trouble and all of a sudden five-on-five play, you're breaking even because of a defensive play that he makes. Uh, He he manages his ice time himself. He takes the shorter shift. Uh, I think the power play has hurt his numbers. He's had opportunities. He's been very good in that bumper position, but the shot's been off net. It's either been wide or it's been right at the goalie when he's had his opportunities over the last month and a half and I think those have slowed his numbers down. But I'm not concerned because the numbers are made up by a different style of offense under Jim Montgomery. Army. The defense are a lot more involved. They're a five-man rotation in the offensive zone. They have a big three on the blue line now that really get involved in the offense when you talk about when you talk about Hampus Lindholm, who's been unbelievable this year, everybody knew he was good. I don't think anybody knew he was this good. That's how great he's been. Charlie McAvoy, as advertised, and now with Dmitry Orlov, it just gives them so many different looks and different options. And do you want to go two defensemen on a power play? Do you want to go, you know, left, right, left, right? You want to put two lefties together? You want to play three of those guys all night long. You just have so many different ways to go. And then the growth of the other defensemen under Montgomery can't be overlooked either. I think there's marked improvement and growth in guys like, you know, Brandon Carlo and Matt Grizzly. Even Connor Clifton has been involved offensively and in, in, in a good shot blocker and a physical guy at his size. So I think a lot of the offense and that, you know, Jake DeBrusk is having a terrific year. You've seen growth in, in Trent Frederick. So I think the guys that they drafted, invested time, resource, money in the kind of flatlined under Cassidy have made strides under Montgomery. And that has eased the burden for the guys like Marshawn and Bergeron to be highly productive in terms of points.
1: Do you think that this game tonight will matter to the Bruins? And I don't mean that in like uh, to be dismissive of like, uh, you know, tonight's no big deal. But like, you know, for the Leafs, it's like you may play the Bruins. They're a competitor, you know, a rival team. We think there's reason for the Leafs should care about this game. Is this for the Bruins just another one on the way to the ones that matter? Or do you think there is extra juice because it's the Leafs?
4: No, they played games against you know Detroit and Chicago on a road trip, lost both of them and it caught their attention. They hated themselves for that they hated the way they played. You know, they believe if we come into the rink and we're lacing them up and we're throwing the jersey on and we're keeping score, we're going out to win. And we love playing Toronto. They had a measurement game, a measuring stick game against Toronto early in the year when they weren't playing their best best hockey and and they had a losing streak going. They could have gone in Toronto and lost again. So that game mattered a lot. And I'm not saying it's on the same par as tonight's game. And, you know, I know they have five games left and they could – be a piece of history i don't think it's a driving force for these guys but again that room the accountability the leadership group uh they'll have a healthy lineup they'll have a good lineup tonight and it's the toronto maple leafs a team they love to play they know how good toronto is they expect probably to play them in the postseason so why not put our best skate forward tonight it's on home ice these are our fans they deserve a strong effort they deserve a strong game Let's give it to them, and I think that's
0: their approach. Hey, Brick, I know you mentioned the defensive core, uh, but I just want to kind of re, just revisit the the Orlov thing. And you mentioned Lynn Holm and McAvoy. You know, there's some teams that would be real lucky to just have those two guys. And then they go and get Orlov, and he, I know he had a great start, but, you know, did they truly need him? Is this a little overkill, <laughs> uh, or, um, you know, w- what did you see? how surprised were you that they went after Orlov when they were already sitting at first with two all-star defensemen as is?
4: Well, I, they were definitely in the market for defensemen. You know, I I think if they, you know, if, if history has taught us anything you need, but eight, nine, ten probably if you're going to have a deep playoff run, you know, and I think somewhere around seven or eight was Jake Zaboro. And they think he's going to be a pretty good NHL player at some point in the future. He's not right now. You know, he's he's a guy that they didn't think was the answer for them if they got that deep into the postseason. So they wanted to add. You know, there's a lot of conversation about other other players of less skill, uh, and probably less contract value that were obviously being bandied about. Uh, You know, you don't know what's real and what isn't. And Orlov kind of came out of nowhere. There was a lot of talk about Gavrikov from what I understand. But, uh, no, they were definitely in the market for a defenseman. And then when everybody saw there was Orlov. And and if you talk to people uh, that were around that Washington team that won the Stanley Cup back in 18, uh, he was an absolute beast in the playoffs. And that's what they're expecting that they got when they acquired him. And hopefully they can sign him and keep him in Boston long term.
1: Rick, right now the Bruins are teed up to play the New York Islanders in round one, but it could be the Florida Panthers. It could be the Pittsburgh Penguins. Any preference there as a, uh, you know, someone who's covering the Bruins? Well, I mean,
4: my immediate reaction is what's in it for me, right? What am I doing on my off day?
1: (laughs) Yeah, Fair enough. Yeah. (laughs) Do you think any of those teams are legit threats?
4: Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. You know, I mean. I know it was a long time ago, but, you know, I was part of a Devils team that went 10-2-1 down the stretch, so we had to get in the last game of the regular season just to make the playoffs, So we went to the conference final game seven, first time ever in the playoffs. So I know what that can be like being a team that just gets in and can do some damage in the postseason, regardless of who you're playing and where they finished in the standings. So with that in mind, I'm always concerned about round one. Round ones are built for upsets. I know there'll be some really good teams that – Really could win the Stanley Cup. That are going to go home in round one. When you look at these two three matchups, it's it's unbelievable. But yeah, I'd be concerned about any one of those three teams based on the fact that they're playing playoff games right now. And I don't care if they're playing 500 hockey. Yeah, I have concern no matter who you play in round one, whether it's any one of those three teams. And I think you get in trouble when you start trying to hope for or trying to pick who you're going to play. You know, you play who you play where you play them, and you know, let's go. And I think that's that's the best approach to have and and always always not fear but be ready and be prepared for who you're going to play.
0: One more uh brick and I don't know if you caught any of that uh Tampa Bay Ranger game last night but I'm kind of in and out of it and I'm like man Tampa Bay's going 80 style, man, when you played and me <laughs> and you know, there, 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 there's a certain element in their game. They don't mind right now. And, and Boston, I know that, uh, AJ Greer and, uh, Trent Federick don't mind to, you know, get their noses dirty and just, you know, uh, style of play, you know, C- can the Bruins, yeah. if, if push comes to shove, be a team that, uh, can drag you in the alley. Yeah, I think
4: so. I mean, not like the 11 team, obviously. I mean, that was, you know, Sean Thornton's team, basically. You know, there were nights where he would say in the playoffs, you know, to his line mates, you know, the puck is optional. You know, we got a job <laughs> to do. I
0: <with> <laughs> love that.
4: Yeah. And uh, uh no, and you got to throw Hathaway in there, too, right? I mean. The first, yes, uh, A weekend back to back, and the second game, I think, was against. No, the first game was against Tampa Saturday afternoon at home. And, you know, Maroon starts, you know, starts, Paul starts, and, you know, the puck drops. And the next thing you know, Locos getting after it with Colton, I think it was, and, and Hathaway lines up with Maroon, you know, and it was. It reminded me of that Dallas-Boston game where there were five fights before the game was 30 seconds old. So, yeah, the Bruins can play that way if you want to. They're not loaded. It's not the late 70s team under under Don Cherry. But they have guys that will protect other players, and they'll drop the gloves, and they'll answer. They've, a guy like Frederick that you mentioned, he's learned how to do it. When he first got to the league, he wasn't sure how to go about doing this job. But he'll do it when necessary, and he's much better at it. But the acquisition of Hathaway helps a lot, and and they're willing. You know we don't see a ton of it come postseason, but if it's there, yeah, they're ready.
0: Hey, Brick, great job, man. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this. Have a have a fun night tonight, Toronto and Boston.
4: Yeah, thanks for having me. Great to talk hockey with you guys.
0: Thanks, Brick. Andy Brickley, color commentator for Nesson. and uh, and we know the Leafs don't have that style. They don't want to. They don't want to go there. They're going to outskill you. Or you know, they're they're not gonna win.
1: Yeah. I, I think they've kind of changed courses a little bit that they're not as run and gun type of skill, yeah. but they'll yeah. they'll stay in the game and yeah. whatever they wanna Now
0: you know, they did pick yeah. up of course uh uh Achari and uh Lafferty, yeah, but not drop your gloves. Guys. No, they're guys
1: who they will go to the front of the net, they'll finish their checks, they'll yeah. dig out pucks. Like, I think they view hockey tough as a little different than the drop yeah. the gloves and go guys.
0: Yeah. I wrote an article for the Toronto Star today. Uh It centered around bunting uh, and just the challenges he has now. Uh, you know, a guy that's been really good over the last two years of drawing penalties and now not getting the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I'm interested to see how he comes out against a team like Boston now and how quickly can he uh, get involved and find that fine line on mm-hmm. on uh on just not being as attention seeking if if he doesn't get a call or things go his way
1: yeah you know to me there's an element where it's like we're all talking about bunting bunting's answering questions about bunting style the refs have clearly talked about bunting He's kind of one, right? That's part of being a pest and a rat—is getting people off their games, yeah. thinking about you. I know you don't want to be the refs, yeah. But like, there's an element where going into a game, the coach has to waste 20 seconds going, "Hey, 58, we don't want to deal with them. We're ignore them. Like, you know, whatever." Like, I think he's having some success at being annoying, which is part of his job.
0: But can you accept that whatever uh, the call or non-call is, you can just move on and just stay focused? Can because he, yeah. that has been the biggest issue. And not just him, and it's Sheldon too, behind the bench. Can they just accept and move on yeah. if they don't get the call?
1: Yeah, I, it's a good question because Bunting is kind of his son. You know, like the way their relationship is, uh, they've known each other since the Sioux days. He kind of gives them the odd whipping boy treatment, but keeps him on the top line. It, it is something for them to keep in mind that this is part of what Bunting is trying to do and not to get too emotional when it doesn't go your way.
0: Okay, well, you know, we can, get, uh, we can pick up this conversation on pests on and uh, you know, the reaction of not getting calls. How quickly do coaches tr- start leaning on, on refs when they, they need to get a message out? all that on uh, Bruce Boudreaux after the break. How about that? Beautiful. All right. You're watching Real Kipper and Born on YouTube. And where else are we? Sports now.
1: stream of some kind on alternate reality and a couple of podcasts to a different
0: dimension <laughs> back after good. these words.
5: Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays
4: and NFL. The J.D. Bunkers podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple,
5: Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: This is real Kipper and Board on SportsNet 590 the van. Always fun having our next guest on. Bruce Boudreaux, we welcome you in. How are you, pal? He dropped. Oh, he he
1: do he doing each pre-interview. <laughs> That's it, the PID, the, the PID,
0: the pre-interview donk. It has been a while since Sammy's dropped a guest. I was a saying guest. we're for weeks. No, not weeks. I don't think he's ever gone weeks. <laughs> I want to say four days. I like the idea that he's physically holding the guests and he just fumbles them away. Ah, like, oh, he's lost. You know, he's just super excited that uh, Rom went to minus seven.
1: He is. Sammy picked up Rom 13 to 1 odds when he double bogeyed the first hole and he's now just... Oh, to cash his chips and retire.
0: I gave you such a good opening, and my producer, Sammy, just totally dropped the ball on you, Bruce. (laughs) No, that was me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. How are you, man? I'm good. How are you? We're good. Stella keeping you busy or, you know? He's trying to. I'm hey, still waiting for him to take me to lunch or something. No, no, that's not going to happen. Uh, maybe the dog happening. park. Yeah, he's there a lot. He is. We know. Trust He's done many of but, the yeah. hits on our show from the dog park. Um, but he never brings the dog. Right?
5: <laughs> I
4: think
0: that's illegal, isn't
5: it? <laughs> yeah, I just think he walks around.
0: <laughs> hey, Gabby, we were just talking a little bit about uh, Mike uh, Michael Bunting, who's been a, a very good hockey player for the Leafs the last two years, but has run into some issues uh, uh, with the officials and not being able to draw penalties as much as before and not much sympathy uh, out of the officials for, from him you've You've had players that have played that type of role when that doesn't happen, what do you look for um and and how quickly do you want to come in and and help your player uh
5: as a coach
0: yeah, as a coach, or what can you do or uh I know Sheldon has talked about maybe Kyle Dubas talking to the n h l head office and dealing with it, but ultimately well, what do you look for
5: that's not yeah that's not going to do any good. I think what has initially happened is uh, Michael got away with all of this stuff because he was young and unknown and even playing in Phoenix for a while. And now, what's happened if they uh, catch him? um, What's the the, other? There's another word embellishing or anything like that. And then he (laughs) starts to argue. So, you know yourself, Nick. The refs just say, forget it. I'm not calling anything on you no matter what you do now. You've tried to fool me too many times. And so he's still learning. He's a young guy. He's still learning how to cope with that. And I think that's what, you know, uh, Sheldon is trying to tell him to relax, play the game. Don't get caught up in all of that stuff. And uh, don't let it bother you or affect the way you're playing. You just got to keep doing what you're doing. But you know that eventually if you keep doing it, I've been in that position as a player and seen it many times as a coach. That refs will just come up to you and say, you know, you might have a legitimate call. One out of three might be legitimate, but you're not getting the call because of what you've done in the past.
1: 100%. It is fairly common. So that's something that a coach deals with. I also wanted to get you to weigh in on, you know, the coaching aspect as you head towards playoffs, as the Toronto Maple Leafs are now. And if you do anything differently, I, you know, I had spoken to a junior coach who said you spend the early part of the season, kind of not tearing down, but you know, rebuilding guys a little bit and trying to build them back up down the stretch before the post season. Did you just remain the same the whole way through, or did you try to be do anything differently coaching wise towards the end of a season?
5: I think everything depends on where your positioning is in the standings. I mean, uh, um, my first year in Washington, we needed to win, um, Twelve out of the last thirteen, just to make the playoffs, and and the last seven, and we did. So you're always just, you know, pushing and pushing and and making the belief and everything else. Like you don't, you know, we hear the term all the time. Um, don't take your foot off the gas. Now, I mean, you have to know when you, to use rest as a weapon and make it uh, uh, make it beneficial to you. But for the most part, anytime I've found that you really relax and say, hey, boys, just go out and have fun, we'll get ready for the season to start it's, or for the playoffs to start, it's usually a bad omen. Um, George Armstrong used to tell us in junior all the time, he'd say, this is not like a faucet. You can't turn it on and you can't turn it off uh just like a like a faucet so you got to keep going and and i i i think the Leafs for the most part have done that uh um the most of the year i mean i think they're they're uh the last nine games or so they win one lose one win one lose one but uh, i think you know as a team they're probably really getting ready and psyched up to uh this will be a good good test for them Tampa will be a good test for them and then uh, get ready for the playoffs that way
0: Bruce, we've seen Sheldon uh, juggle his lineup here uh, a lot, and it's still undecided on where a guy like Marner is best fit to start game one. And I'm just wondering, we we know the Leafs have world-class players, and they're game breakers, and they're going to play a huge role uh, starting uh, next, uh, you know, 10 days. But with... Would there be concern for you as a head coach with a handful of games left and still not knowing who plays best with who and the mere fact that maybe Tavares and Nylander have gone cold a little bit here?
5: Well, I I think, you know, well, listen, ever since uh, Tavares got there, he's been playing, Marner's been playing with either Tavares or Marner and they switched them back and forth. And, and, uh, Uh, But I think Sheldon knows exactly who he's going to play everybody with right now. Um, He, you know, I mean, Ryan O'Reilly, if he plays tonight, uh, uh, I think he's scheduled to play third line center. Now, you know, he's just still just experimenting or making him like, because he played left wing uh, before he was hurt is trying to get him back uh, just to remember what center is like. But I I am a hundred percent sure that, I mean, when they're not on the ice and they're not practicing, he's doing his line combinations, and he's convinced he knows, and he does know, that he knows uh, who's going to play with who, what six defensemen are going to start, barring all injuries. I mean, and he's just not telling us. But, I mean, let's face it, they've got an awful lot of people to choose from right now, and he's trying to keep everybody happy before the And they're they're pretty well locked into second place. I think they need a point tonight or or in the next few games to, to get there. So he's just trying to keep everybody playing and everybody happy playing.
1: You know, how much ego management is involved in coaching? You know, when you look at the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, <laughs> you laugh. <laughs> just, I, the only example I'll give before I let you answer that is sometimes I'll say to Kip, it's the one thing I think him and I are sometimes on different pages about where I'll, I'll be like, yeah, play Matthews with no one. He'll, and he's like, do you think Matthews is going to like that? And I said, <laughs> I don't care. I'm the coach, you know, but I, I understand you have to manage that a little bit. So I'll let you have yeah. your say now.
5: Yeah, and I think you're always managing egos, especially with the stars. I mean, uh, um, and sometimes the stars, you know, like I, I've, was, I'll use Sidney Crosby as an example. When Rust and Gensel came up, and whoever comes up, he wants them to play with him. He wants to take them and and, and make them better players. But there are guys, and I've had them that uh, got out there and they've said i'm not a third line player what have you got me on the third line for and you have to massage them and say hey you're not a third line player we're trying to get balance or you're trying to do this and uh you you, it's it's sometimes difficult i've had players come up to me and say hey you're only playing me 15 minutes a night what's going on i mean i was playing 18 minutes a night last year and you know i mean there's 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 guys that will do that. I, I'll give you an example again using Washington. I did a, a, a thing where um, Ovi and Backstrom, w- when they were staying on the ice early in their tenures, way too long, and I showed them the difference between them playing less minutes and their productivity as to more minutes and their productivity. Did the same thing with Perry and Getzlaff, and and they found they realized that, Staying out for a minute and 10, uh, minute and 15, they weren't getting as many points. They were on the ice for more goals against. And if they shortened their shifts, they would play in the end just as much, and their productivity was a lot more. So, I mean, managing these guys is, is all important, I think. And uh, they're the guys that are going to take you to the promised land. So you got to keep them uh, not, not necessarily happy, but you got to keep them in Involved and in and into the game and 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 ready to to do whatever they can and you don't want them um, sitting there going feeling like that they're not useful or not uh, not doing what they can on the bench because that will in turn make them not play as well on the ice.
0: How was Ovi with you? Did, you? did he give you a few uh, hairy eyeballs when he didn't like who he was playing with?
5: Well, let me just tell you a quick story. <laughs> 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 Please do. Yes. <laughs> Um, and it's crazy. I never sat, uh, Ovi too much. Uh, Well, never any length of time. There was one game we played Anaheim and we were down five to one after the second period. Ovi was minus four. And so we get made at five, two, five, three, five, four. He's still minus four. We pulled the goalie and he says, Coach, where do you want me? I said, on the bench. Just you sit on the bench. And you're you're not playing well. So we went in. We tied it up. He ended up getting an assist in the overtime winner. But the whole talk uh, uh, from the media, and that wasn't our great comeback, wasn't anything. You sat Ovi and he was talking to you. What did you say? Well, obviously, I didn't say what, the, what I was going to say. But the, the caveat was that is, well, I was fired within a week. Okay? <laughs> And no, it's a true story, but here's the better part of it. We were playing Anaheim and Bob Murray thought, wow, this guy, what a tough guy. He can bench the, any of the guys, you know, he's, he doesn't take nothing from anybody. I'm going to hire him and I got hired by Anaheim the next day.
0: <laughs> what a roller coaster. It's all about the accountability, right?
5: Yeah. And you know, that's the only time I ever had a, only time i ever had a confrontation with alex uh ever in the four and a half years and we talked about it the next day we were all on the same page he, and we showed him the video and and you know privately and everything and we had a good conversation and we we're all good but that's the way things happen
0: you came up you played in the 70s and you know, 80s like where was it back then when you watched, like, uh, Sittler in Toronto with uh, the head coach? Did the stars always, were coaches always a lot more sensitive to stars, you think, in, in any era?
5: No, I think, I mean, in the, the 70s, it depends on who the coach was. Uh, like, the Joe Croziers of the world, who I, I really liked Joe, and but they were old school from 50s and 60s and it was players just do exactly what the coach says it didn't matter who you were there was only one boss roger nielsen sort of changed that when he came up um, him and daryl had great relationships and roger would ask daryl and ask lanny and and everything that was going on and and uh, and it was more like it should have been uh you know when your best players Uh, have good ideas i think hockey players on the ice are pretty smart and they have good ideas and if you dismiss them uh just because you're the coach i think you're in trouble i mean you you've got to weigh the good the bad the what you know they have ideas that are also pretty cockeyed and you got to sit there and and go yeah 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 and then you just go in and and don't and disregard it but i mean um if you've got players, of any players, it doesn't have to be the stars, but I mean, uh, they got good I- ideas. You listen to them like anything else. And But Daryl and and Lanny and Roger's relationship was probably the first I'd seen where there was actually interaction between the players and the coach where the coach didn't have the hammer. Like, I mean, um, maybe George Armstrong was a little bit like that. He was just a great person. And I don't know how many ideas I ever gave him or Uh, in junior, but I mean, he was just somebody that was a player's coach and there wasn't too many of them at that time.
1: Well, you know, it's such an interesting conversation because the Leafs have superstars with major cachet, right? I mean, they got guys with big money contracts and big names and Sheldon Keefe is a relatively new coach in the NHL. I have seen him in the American hockey league, you know, going into playoffs, call a team meeting, you know, a power play meeting with the best players and let the guys have a lot of say about what they think the power play should look like. I mean, is that a a tough line to walk a fine line to balance trying to sort of keep your place in the pecking order with these guys? You know, you are the coach, but at the same time, you know, letting them be feel like they're a part of it.
5: I think that's what good coaches do. I mean, uh, uh and and I, I think Sheldon's a good coach and that's that's what he does. And I mean he's gotten um from what from afar from me uh gotten along tremendously well with these stars and handled them and I think it's a lot is is he knows how to keep them accountable, he knows how to how to talk to them without demeaning them, and he knows when he's the boss and he knows when he takes some advice. I mean I think earlier on was there for example you know you saw um, uh, Austin Matthews getting 16 and 17 minutes of of ice time a game and then now all of a sudden Stelton comes in and it's 20 21 minutes and I'm sure over that course that they've had the conversations and he said hey listen try me at penalty killing try me here try me this and and we'll see how it works out and he did and he listens because I mean Sometimes it's, you know, it's, it's a good thing to do. I always think as a coach, I mean, if a player comes up to me and says, listen, I need to play more, that next game I'll play him a lot. And if he does great, fabulous. The team is successful. If he doesn't, if he doesn't play very well, then I've got the hammer and say, listen, I've given it you your way, now you do it my way.
0: We're talking to Bruce Boudreau, former NHL head coach and now star of the, what, Stellick and Boudreau show uh, every every morning. Still in oh, development. Still in development. I'm not a
1: star
5: of anything right now, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> I like talking hockey, so what can I say?
0: Well, talk to us a little bit about Tampa and the Rangers last night. That was anything but a throwaway game. It was intense. It was nasty. Is there anything that uh, the Leafs need to bring Boston outside of, you know, that, that skill level that shows that, you know, between Tampa and Boston that have a better reputation for being more physical um, can get them into the equation of finding different ways to win because we know that Achari and Lafferty and those type of players are supposed to beef up the Leafs a little bit.
5: Well, um, yeah, I don't know if the, if it's the physical thing that the Leafs have to show Boston, I think, what the Leafs have to show is they can go into Boston and win. And uh, the one thing about is they play the same way every night. This is one of the reasons they only got, what, 11 losses or something. You, If you're going to beat Boston, you're beating them at the best almost every night. And I think uh, what, the, what Toronto wants to do is, says, well, listen, when we get into the second round, we're going to beat you, and we're going to show you how good we can play, because you know you're going to get uh, a great Boston game tonight. They're not. They might sit out a guy, it doesn't matter, but the rest of the guys are going to play as hard and the same way as they always do. I mean, uh, I think that, you know, I mean, I think Tampa's uh, mantra is they got to get back to being big, strong, and physical, and that's what they've done the last four games, not just the game last night, and it just erupted a little bit more. But I I think Toronto, they want to play physical. They want to take it to them, the guys that can. And... But I think the best way for them to um, show Boston they're ready is by going into Boston and beating them.
1: Bruce, you would have a unique insight, I think, to the Pacific Division. The race is tight right now. Vegas 104, Edmonton 103, uh, LA 100. Um, Do you really like or really dislike any of those teams in particular? Is one of them, you think, a a clear-cut favorite?
5: Oh, I really just like one of them, but it's none of the three that you mentioned.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Touche, my friend. I tried to avoid that part. Uh, no, I
5: think right now it looks like it's, to me, it's settling into um, Edmonton versus Vegas, at the, the top one or two. I, I really like LA as a team, but I think they're three and four points back of those guys uh, right now. And I think it would be really hard-pressed, A, to get first, but... Um, you know Edmonton's on such a role, and they're making believers out of me. I never thought that they could continue to play solid defense and even when they went into l a last game and they played them last week, they proved to me that they can play that way and get everybody everybody involved so uh i i i begin beginning to believe in Edmonton, I was always in l a king fan and i thought it was going to be them but i the other one is is vegas they just don't lose They're flying under the radar every other year they've been big name guys now you don't hear much about them but they just keep winning and winning i think they got the best record in the league for since the all-star game mm-hmm. and um uh, uh i think in the end it's it i don't know <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know who to, I, you know, we could sit here and we could talk, but those three teams are pretty evenly matched. I think Edmonton will win because they'll have home ice against L.A. I think Vegas will win their first-round match. I think Vegas and Edmonton will play, and uh, um, I, I, think, I think Vegas is going to win.
0: It's going to get uh, real interesting here as we uh, finish up in the next 10 days. Hey, Gabby, always a pleasure having you on our show, pal. Thanks for making time.
5: Oh, it was a lot of fun. All
1: righty. Thanks so much, Bruce. We appreciate it. No problem. Okay, bye-bye. Bruce,
0: there he is.
1: I mean, what a hilarious response to the Pacific Division question.
0: Yes. <laughs> he does. I do on hate a, one of them. You put it on the TA and you <laughs> d- hit it.
1: I didn't know if we'd go directly at the Canucks or not, but here we are.
0: Just yeah, to his point. All all the Leafs have to do tonight is just show that you can win. This will be the last one you remember. Who's to say what happens in the first uh, two weeks of the first round. But if in fact the Leafs find a way and Boston finds a way to meet up, Mm -hmm. this one would be nice to remember off of a win.
1: Yeah. You know, it's so interesting, like, you know, if they're not playing Krejci and Hall, like, does that diminish it? You know, like, do you remember?
0: I don't think so. Last me, year, Daryl Sutter
1: would never play their starting goalie against Colorado yeah. before playoffs. Yeah. I this didn't I, work out. I guess I, I
0: know one or two guys are important, but it's it's the team, it's the attitude yeah. that if if we lose a guy, we're so bonded, we're st- we're so close that we're still going to look like a great team. Yeah. That can stick together, stick to a system. You know, the one thing that uh, you know—I uh, think it was Bruce mentioned, or it was Andy. I can't even remember. But they don't. Boston doesn't beat themselves. Mm-hmm. If Bruce. we, if we, if we looked over the course of the this regular season, and we've come on, we followed every Leaf game like it's religion right yeah oh it's a lot how many <laughs> seen a couple off, off, <laughs> off the top of your heads both of you i'm going to ask you how many games this year have the leafs beaten themselves i'll
2: say 12 a dozen i would, yeah i was going to set the over under at like 13 and a half
0: that's a lot yeah that's a lot and, then and most
2: of them are against bad teams where they beat them well that's it you, and right? you're like oh they're going into this and,
0: game and, they should win hey, so 12 over, that they've over. beaten themselves and the bruins have lost 12 in total
1: by the way, yeah, to your point right now, um, in, in terms of regulation wins, this is a proxy to me of, like, what well, the really good teams don't go to overtime or shootout. Regulation wins. The Bruins have 50, 5 zero. Only one other team in the NHL has 40. Every other team is 30 in the 30s. They're at 50 right now.
0: Where they've only needed 60 minutes, mm-hmm. right? Not With, 62 yeah. or 65 or they shootout. finish
1: you before it gets to, to overtime 50 times this year. The other team, do you guys want to guess who the other team is who's in the 40s?
0: Uh, yeah, I will tell you right now. Don't cheat. I'm not going to cheat. I'm just looking at uh, teams. I, I want to say uh, yeah, Carolina. It's Edmonton. Edmonton.
1: The uh-huh. Oilers have 43. Third place is the Leafs. But yeah, the, the Oilers have 43 of them. Leafs have 39. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's impressive.
0: I so mean, when, you, when you win in overtime or you win in a shootout, you go into the win column. Yeah. See, I don't like that. Yeah. I think a win is 60 minutes yeah. in a hockey game.
1: And I love that it's a tie break to me. for Because right now, you know, all this talk about the divisions, you look at uh, Florida, New York, Pittsburgh, that battle, Pittsburgh's way behind in regulation wins. So if they tie, they don't get in. So they have to, they need more points than Florida and the Islanders, which is a huge factor here as we come down the stretch. So we'll start paying more attention to that in the next week or two A well, week, I guess.
0: Okay. We're going to take a quick break. Jason Bukala.
1: By the way, did you guys
2: mention that it is Jeremy Swayman tonight? I was watching the masters. No, it's Jeremy Swayman tonight. Not Omar.
0: Yeah. He's a good goalie too, guys. Yeah. I mean, you know? I
2: put the stat in here that the lowest goals against this season, uh, he's fourth and Linus Lomar, of course, is first. So
0: All right. We'll take a quick break after we welcome in Jason Bukala, former NHL scout, writer for sportsnet.ca. Matthew Nyes, guys, getting ready for the Frozen Four underway. Uh, He's going to be watching closely. We'll get his thoughts and more after the break. Get
1: smarter when you listen to Hockey Talk, the Hockey PDO cast with Dmitry Filipovich. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Sportsnet 590, The fan. No drop call? Do we really have him, Sammy? Great yeah, job, capper. All right, let's welcome him in. Jason Bucala, how are you, pal?
6: Oh, wait, are you, have you guys been dropping calls today on Masters
1: Thursday? Is well, that what's going on here or what?
0: It's Sammy, right? It's just so, Sammy.
1: <laughs> Not sure what that
0: means but uh <laughs> All right everybody's teeing up uh Toronto and uh and Boston and we we're, we're going to get your thoughts on that but uh tell us about the weekend and how uh you're, you're viewing uh pleasures shaping up
6: I am. uh, So I was tempted to be in Tampa for the Frozen Four. I'm not. I'm making the rounds in the CHL. Um, I'm heading to Europe for the U18s, and that's like a 12-day extravaganza in Switzerland at the end of the month. So I want to make sure I get all these CHL guys uh, under my belt before. So I've been making the rounds in the OHL, off to the Quebec League, one more trip out west, and then uh, overseas.
1: That is a uh, a busy schedule to say the very least. The um, you know I'm just going to hit you with the the one you expect us to ask but off the top here. We'll talk knives. We, we are talking Toronto Maple Leafs. They are like I don't know a week away or less than that. I guess conceivably of having that guy in the lineup. What would you expect that to look like? A guy coming straight out of college into this time of year in the NHL.
6: So. I've listened to a lot of uh, other people in in the industry talk about, you know, historically it's been difficult for college players to make the jump to the NHL, which it is. I I totally get it. Especially at this time of the year. The the one thing that, that I'm really um, most excited about with this player specifically, and I'm just going to give it to you guys from a scouting perspective, like there's guys that are just pure offense, right? So like if, um, if Logan Cooley were to come out of Minnesota right now and go into Arizona, you know exactly what that, that prospect is. He's pure offense, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm going to throw some stats at you guys because I've been working on scouting reports today. Um, this isn't a 20-game segment for Knives. Uh, he's drawn 26 penalties in his last 20 games. <laughs> he, he's drawn from the opponent. So he's giving his team an opportunity on the, on the power play. He's, he's averaging 20, uh, or pardon me, he's got 25 block shots in that same amount of time. 49 hits, guys. 49 hits. Now in college hockey, they do it a little different because if you absorb contact and you extend a play, they call it a hit. I don't care. I'm talking about a guy who's engaged. Let's call it 49 in 20 games. And then you go to hardest time of year, right? We would all say the tournament. You average 3.5 shots on goal per game on eight attempts in regular season. He's gone to five shots connecting on goal, um, same amount of attempts. I mean, these are all the tangibles. So let's, what I'm trying to do is paint a picture. Big body, tracks up and down the ice, engaged, extends plays, takes two bodies sometimes to, take, to knock him off a puck. If he doesn't score a single goal for the Toronto Maple Leafs when he comes out and he does all those other little things, that's what I'm trying to project about this player, mm-hmm. and I think that's great value.
0: Are you a little higher on him than maybe you were a month ago or six weeks ago? Um, I keep
6: feeling like I get I, – I, every time I get to a level with him, I feel like I sold them a little bit short. So I guess I would say yes. Um, you know, there was a time that depending on who, what the return would have been, I would have said move him um, for the right return because the Leafs are all in this, uh, this spring. But uh, given where we are right now today – um yeah I'd, I'd say I'm I'm marginally higher on him than than I was before.
1: Well, it's uh that would certainly be a welcome type of player for the Toronto Maple Leafs to have. Um you know, one thing we were having a conversation about yesterday that is maybe a little bit of a I don't know, a, a weird topic right now is uh, Matt Matvei Mitchkoff. you know, the, this player has had a challenging off-ice incident, obviously recently lost his father. Um, but he's a guy who's been up and down in terms of public perception as a player. Where is this guy in terms of the draft um, just a few months away?
6: So two different ways to skin this cat, guys. Uh, We're we're getting to that time of year where I have to uh, consider his contract status and the outside noise that's going on overseas. So that affects where he, where he slots in my draft list. Um, If that noise didn't exist, he'd be number three on my list right now. So we would go Bedard, Fantilli, Michkoff. Um He's he's an exceptional talent. I mean, he got he's on loan to we all. I think I think we're referring to the unfortunate untimely passing of his father here this yeah. week in Sochi. The kid was on the kid's on loan to Sochi from SKA Saint Petersburg, and his dad was you know in town. And anyways, um, he has scored 20 points in his last 29 games. Or at the end of the year here, he had 20 points in 29 games for Sochi. Historically, draft eligible kids don't score like that in the KHL. Those are ridiculous statistics. He's uh, he's an elite, elite talent. There's no question about it.
0: Hey, Jason, we we, we know uh, you know there's a horrific story there that's going on with his uh, untimely passing of his dad. But in general. You know, when you're dealing with the complexities of getting a kid out of Russia, how many teams sometimes they go, uh, you know, "Ah, I'll pass, or, you know, if it's one or the other, I'd rather not deal with it. I mean, how much is that going on?
6: I think it's going on a lot, Kipper. I think it really is. I mean, that's why this kid's going to be the wild card in the draft. You know, if he falls, like I have Zach Benson, six on my list. If this kid is staring at somebody at six, and you know you could have a Kirill uh Kaprizov on your hands down the line, like that's awfully tempting, right? like it, it feels like I got to draft the player, but let's be honest, he's under contract till through twenty five twenty six My sources in Russia that I've worked with over the years are indicating that there's no guarantee he'll even come over after that. So how many general managers in the league have thick enough skin to say that four or five years from now um, this kid could arrive on our door on our doorstep. When let's be realistic, there's not a lot of GMs that are sticking around, you know, five, six, seven, eight years with the team. So there's a lot of risk there, and that's that's even eliminating. Uh, uh, like when I was in Florida, I know for a fact that our owner would would not allow us if we were dra- if we were drafting that high. Our owner would not be fond of that selection. He he would tell us no, go in another direction just because he doesn't want that.
0: Okay, so if. A lot of teams get the same intel you're getting how how low can he drop? Like fourth round, fifth round? Whoa. Not I'm, I'm a just chance. asking you like, somebody's going to have to take a chance. Arizona. Yeah, he, yeah, well, I mean,
6: I don't have the draft grid in front of me. Hey, Nashville. Nashville who don't historically have uh, you know, a great runway with with Russian players either, but they're loaded for, uh, for draft picks this year. Like, their draft grade is flush. So anybody with an extra pick in the first round, roll the dice. Montreal, if they don't trade away the uh, that, that Florida pick and he's sitting there, I'd absolutely take a run at him if I were the Montreal Canadian. So let's call that, for argument's sake, right now 16, seven whatever it's going to end up being in there. Um, but he would never get past Washington. That's my gut. My gut tells like they they just have too much of a history with Russian players. They have great relationships with those prod or those prospects, so he won't get past Washington.
1: And yeah, uh, that's fascinating. And you know, I was also just thinking like Arizona's not trying to get good for four years or whatever it is. You know, I, I guess it depends on the team and when they're trying to be what. Um, you know, looking at this time of year, you mentioned that now you start considering contract status and things like that. What would teams be doing now as they start to prepare? for the draft in in June, I believe.
6: So stretch drive. um, It's a little bit of the dog days uh, in the CHL circles. This frozen four, I think there's going to be a lot of people. There's been a lot of movement in college hockey free agency this spring um, and some real good talented players coming out. There's 39. Somebody told me 40. I counted 39 drafted prospects playing in the frozen four this weekend. So I was speaking to our good friend there, uh, Brian McCabe, this afternoon, and he's on his way to Tampa. I would imagine that a lot of player development uh, staffs are, are at the Frozen Four, and there's going to be some more free agents come out of that. So um, beyond that, though, guys, um, it's it's learning a little bit more playoff time in the CHL. USHL runs longer, but the U18s in Switzerland in a couple of weeks is going to be flush with prospects. That's a huge tournament.
0: Hey, Jason, when we talk about certain uh, kids like Matthew Knives uh, waiting and ready to come over uh, through your NHL background uh and, and dealings how many contracts are are done and sitting in a drawer right now all of them like when and i speak of like a a, a Luke Hughes a Matthew Nyes, those would be done right
6: oh they're in the drawer they they packed the uh, you know they packed the second bag Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, I just wanted to confirm
0: that because you know the, you hear some stories like, yeah, there might be some bonus issues and stuff like that, and I'm like, come on,
6: not by now, not a chance. I mean, not there's, a chance. There's, you got a week left in the season. Like the advisors got all that stuff done, and I mean, I'll go way back when we were in Florida and we had Hyman, and we had drafted Hyman, and we were taking it right down to the NCAA tournament with him. Uh, we thought we were going to sign. We even knew by this time that he wasn't going to sign with us. And then we played along with that till we traded his rights in June, you know, but all that work's done, guys. Like, it's they're ready to go.
0: Yeah,
1: okay. Uh, so there were some comments, uh, Nice did in an interview recently where he talked about the type of player he is, and he compared himself to Alex Tuck and Alex Kalorn, which is really fascinating to me Ooh. that a guy can score – as often as he have be a Hobie Baker finalist and see themselves as two guys who are, you know, I I guess talk, maybe a second line guy, Kaloran, a third line guy. Is it rare for top players like that to see themselves in a mold that isn't, you know, Wayne Gretzky?
6: I think it absolutely is. I'm going to tell you something else. Like in today's day and age, kids that have come through the system in my 20 years, this will be my 20th draft. In my 20 years, I can tell you that the, uh, the psyche of the kids coming through has changed a lot. Yeah. And anybody who's, anybody who's listening to us talk right now, not every one of your kids are Wayne Gretzky's and uh, Bobby Orr's and everything else. They're not. So I love the fact that the kid can identify what he can be at the pro level uh, outside of being, you know, just uh, an elite scorer. And that, that right there is a, a really good self-assessment. I mean, Kalorn's a two and a half on, on most teams. He's a three in Tampa, yeah. but you know what I mean? Like he's, he's, he can play, you know, different role on different teams. And I love the tough comparable too. Um, so that's great self-assessment. And and that tells you something about what he'll bring that, that bump and grind on top of, uh, on top of the rest.
0: Yeah. They're not short sure of confidence these days. These kids.
6: Not enough bad days, Kipper. I, I mean, it's uh you know, I always tell that to, to to prospects, and I don't even talk to the parents because you know that that's a useless engagement. <laughs> but um, um, you know, the the kids they don't have enough. Bad, it's the best league in the world. There's only six top. Uh, there's only two lines of. Well, I guess some teams have three kind of top six type forwards. I guess you could call it that. But there's not enough. There's one puck. and There's not enough skill positions for everybody. You got to figure out how to play the game a of right away.
1: Well, it's one of the reasons I'm so impressed with a guy like Zach Aston Reese who scored a ton in college and came out and kind of has reinvented himself. You know, I I think it does create a challenge. You know, Kip and I have talked about this. Like, Aston Reese got to 10 goals. You know, does he want to be that? Does he identify as the goal guy? Or is he, you know, a proper fourth-line type player? It's rare to find the guy who's willing and interested in being the the mucker.
6: Well, I mean, listen... These guys are, are handsomely paid for the role they play. And if you want to push the envelope and, and pretend that you're going to be a 20-plus goal guy, even if you strike lightning in a bottle and you get, let's say, Zach Asteris uh, or Noel Chari. Uh, chari scored 20 goals for us in, or 21 goals for us in Florida one year. I mean, we, we all knew he wasn't a 21-goal scorer, and so did chari. But that didn't mean all of a sudden for his, for his next uh, contract, you know, give me 2-5. You don't like, you have to be realistic. Right. Hey, gr- grind out, grind out in a salary cap world, the $1 million contract, you have a role, you, you play to an identity, coaches trust you, and you have a long, successful career. Uh, it, it's good on guys like Aston Reese if they figure that out.
0: Hey, does um, uh, Luke Hughes have a chance to be an impactful player right away for New Jersey?
6: Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. He's, he's different, Dave, than the others. Uh, he's bigger like he's 6'2 and I don't know buck 90 or something mm-hmm. like that but um, like he he's a lot like he escapes from small areas and he rushes the puck and, and, and launches the attack um, but he bodies up he's got a little bit more pushback than his brothers do well I shouldn't say that. he's got a lot more pushback than his brothers do but it's going to be I would say this guys At this time of year, for a defenseman jumping in compared to a forward, it's much more difficult at this time of year for a defenseman.
0: For sure. I would totally agree with that. Sorry, what about L.A.'s got a kid coming too, don't they?
6: L.A., L.A., L.A. I, I don't know off the top of my okay. head you got me there. Right. Now I'm going to have to look it up because it's going to drive me yeah, crazy. I, I,
0: the name of, el- el- eludes me now. Yeah. Um, so the
1: Frozen Four that is going on right now, like that's mayhem hockey, is it not? Like just so fast pace. It doesn't strike me as like, I don't know, playoff NHL hockey, a little more grinding, no room. It's a, It's pretty electric hockey, isn't it?
6: They play like their hairs on fire. To be yeah, honest the with whole you. game's they, chaos. They, yeah, they. It's it's uh, it's a track meet from the drop of the puck. The one thing though is that Quinnipiac, um, the their, so they only have two drafted prospects on their team. One of them is Brindamore's kid, and who's Skyler's an Edmonton pick. He's a big body, um, a defensive kind of a tweener offensively. Um, they play like a New Jersey di- or Devils style game in the early 2000s. Like they're a real team-oriented group, uh, where the other three are track meet uh, type teams. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all uh, all shakes out.
0: And the winner is after the weekend.
6: Quinnipiac. Right.
0: I'm going out on the line.
6: Yeah, I'm going out on the on Greenmore the style dude.
0: team. I love it. Okay.
6: Yeah, hey. the most organized team is going to win it. That's that's what I think.
0: Jason, great stuff. Safe travels uh, when you hit the road, man. All right. I appreciate
6: it, guys. I'll uh, look forward to talking to you soon. Happy Easter. Have a good
1: weekend. All right. You. Thanks,
0: Books. Appreciate it. Jason bukla former NHL scout, current writer with us at sportsnet.ca. Yeah. A lot of good insights. So when I first had a taste of any NHL outside of tra- uh, a training camp, my season just ended with the Hershey Bears. Uh, we got knocked out in Adirondack. They had like two stretch limos for about five prospects. Mm-hmm. We're going to go meet the Montreal Canadiens, who I believe were in a conference final against Montreal. Um, Philly
1: Montreal-Philly, okay. Yeah.
0: Montreal-Philly. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, I'm going up. You know, we're going to go hang out with the team in the Stanley Cup playoffs. This is, mm-hmm. like, the most incredible thing. Elka Silisano, uh, Silisano had an injury. I'm sorry? Yeah, El sorry? Yeah, uh, Elka... Uka No, Elka Sinisalo. Okay. Left winger.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, was battling an injury. Okay. And it was between me and Brian Dobbin, another like solid player. Yeah. Had a, a great junior career and solid player for us in Hershey. And it was touch and go whether or not we could take warm up or actually play that night. And I'm telling you, I was pooping my pants. Really? Did you want thought, in or no? Oh, no, I want it in. Yeah. But I, it would have been one of those moments when it's like every other second, the thought in my mind was, okay, Can't what am I'm I here. doing here? Am I Can I do it? Am I not going to embarrass myself? Yeah. Can I hold my own? Just don't cough one up the middle of the ice. Chip it off the walls. Get it in deep. It's like, but I just compare me back then to uh, a Matthew Knives mentality yeah. and just listening to you talk about him comparing himself to Kalorn and and all of that, like there's a there's a there's a level of comf- confidence that is so strong right now for Matthew Knives. I think he expects to play, and I not only do I think that he expects to play, he expects to come in to and matter cont- to, to contribute. Yeah, like that's that's what I'm getting. That well, that, you want him to feel that way. I, listen, I know for sure. Sometimes, what you have in your mind—whether uh, yeah, uh, I'm undervaluing myself back then to come up and play for the mm-hmm. Flyers, or he's maybe overvaluing himself—it, you just don't know until you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I'm just saying that uh, the the mentality of a guy like that now to come in is much different, even from my era, where you know most of my my peers at the time. And some of them were first rounders, and some of them were top prospects. That would they would all come in, but you would never, ever have heard the words come out where guys start saying, "Yeah, I think I look like him, and I think I'm good enough Listen, like." The guy him. was asked, "Who do you think you play like?" I know, but or should he say no one, sir? I just think the feeling that I get is that his confidence. Is that another level?
1: Well, I can't imagine it's not. I mean, right, all he's had is success. He's up for the Hobie Baker. They're his, in the Frozaport. Did you read his quotes?
0: I did. They yeah. were they were very they were very um very here's, confident.
1: Here's here's uh Nize when he was asked to describe who he models his game after. He says Uh, Tuck and Alex Killorn, he says, here's what he says about himself. A little bigger player, smart with the puck, not too flashy. I'm an old-style hockey player. I try to use my size to my advantage, use my speed. That's my greatest strength. I can drive the net and make plays. I think I am most dangerous around the net, so I like to make that my office, and I can set my teammates up from there.
0: Yeah, See, that's a he, that's a he, professional scouting. Uh, it,
1: it is really <laughs> it, an unbelievably
0: uh, thorough review. I'm telling you, like, we just didn't talk like that about ourselves back then. He's, that's all I'm saying.
1: My job is to get uh, in the dirty areas, get in the blue paint, battle on the boards. You have to have confidence in yourself to do that. And I'm confident that I can go to those areas and come away with a puck. That's what I like to do. There hear you that, go. That, yeah, yeah.
0: There you go. Yeah. And I just said okay, don't poop yourself.
1: I do wonder if that is a draft position thing or more like, so I was an undrafted prospect, not even a prospect. I was undrafted. And so when I would show up at like the Islanders camp, or I know exactly what you mean. In particular, I went from, you know, junior hockey in front of a couple thousand people. My first game was in Minnesota against the Golden Gophers, or sorry, Duluth, either way, you know, 10,000 people there. And I was like, I couldn't stop thinking about where I was let alone following the puck and whatever. But I was not a guy who expected that. I wonder how different it is, yeah.
0: you know, for someone yeah. like who like. And listen, he could come in. Yeah, he's, it's not like he's 5'9 and 160. Yeah. He is a big guy. He's 6'2. I think he tips the Toledo at around 205, ten.
1: Yeah, this, uh, that thing says he's 6'2, uh, two, 210. Yeah.
0: Like <laughs> that's. Pretty strong guy.
1: If That's me after may, crispy may cream. May yeah.
0: be able to come in and, and push the needle somewhat. He but, said in the last
1: 20 games, he has 26 drawn penalties. What the hell is that? If he, that's playing against bad players. 25 block shots and nearly 50 hits. I, those 20 games.
2: If his upside is Alex Kalorn, that is an absolute dream scenario for the Toronto Maple Leafs.
1: That's what they need, right? Like, yeah. They gotta, but I to Kipper's point, I don't believe him that he's going to come in here. And be no, a muck. no, no. But like at the top of his yeah. game,
2: by the time he reaches his prime, yes. If he's Alex Kaloran on the Leafs, that's a dream. That's as, that's as much as you can expect to
1: me. The thing is, what did Alex Kaloran look like as a rookie? What was his, you know? He was in the minors, wasn't he? he was I, yeah, I think he with, was a minor league. Cooper
0: was he? Yeah, he was like one of the guys. He that, was one of the guys with uh, that came up with Palat yeah. and um, uh, Tyler Johnson. Yeah was he part of the Calder Cup? I, uh, the Norfolk Admirals, he w-
2: played 17 playoff games with them, so I would imagine he was part of that. Okay. In 2011, Yeah, it was,
1: it was yeah, Norfolk before it was Syracuse, I yeah. guess.
2: Yeah, that's the team that
0: was like unbelievable, wasn't it? Yeah, they were 55 and 18 that team. Listen, I'm watching we were watching Kaloran last night. He's in people's faces. He's getting his nose dirty, spearing guys. And I hope Nice can do that.
1: Spear anyone? We can use a spear.
0: <laughs> this, <laughs>
1: this show will be a flag wearer for whoever just spears people. Yes. Um, yes. Just looking at Kaloran's Let numbers. him know you're there. Bleed all over him. Kaloran has 25 this year. He had 25 the year before. He had 26 the year before that. Like He just gets his 25, gets his you know 40 PIMs. But I'm what, like,
0: they can score too, eh? Tampa Bay?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't, listen! They're, like, they're still. Uh,
0: did Hegel hit thirty? He's got thirty-two. That's good. Those are good numbers. That's, that's a good year. Well, he
1: he does like, not like, have thirty-two. You like that at one point five million? What's he, he got? Twenty-eight. 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 At, at okay, one, he's closing in on thirty. At one point five mil, you'll take that. Yeah, you traded a hundred first round picks for him. You hope he scores thirty.
0: <laughs> All right, Calgary, Winnipeg. You saw Winnipeg score the first goal. Yeah. You saw Calgary get a disallowed goal. You're going, okay, this is Winnipeg's night.
1: Yeah. um, Man, I don't know what you thought or whatever that game. Two teams, got to want it. Huge game. Ah, I thought it was a pretty bad hockey game. Like, I didn't think everyone tried. The effort was there. The pace was there. Just the structure, like, it was messy. There's chances each way like you? A good team would have picked apart either of those teams last
0: night. But you don't expect that from a Daryl Sutter team, and Rick Bonus has been around forever, so like no structure.
1: No, like the the goal that Mangiapane scores to make it one one. The blue or sorry, the Jets had a breakaway yeah. and a two on one in like the nine seconds before it. Two nothing.
0: It's a different story. Yeah,
1: but the the fact that you know then they're all up ice and it's a track meet the other way and Brendan Ealers Dillon a, defends that two on one like he stopped trying or something. They made it
2: three one and then Ehlers, one second later has a wide open breakaway from center ice somehow. Right, yeah, you know, it's like, not pretty.
1: It, to me, it's like okay, that was not all right, the Jets rose up and got a big win. Or sorry, the Flames rose up and got a big win. That was like... Both these teams stink and one yeah, well, one someone had to, to win. win. Yeah,
2: I agree. I thought, I will say, though, that thought Huberto looked pretty good last night. Thought, you know, he was involved. Yeah. He made that great pass to Zadorov for the
1: 3-1 goal. Who pings it bar down and then gave the Jets bench the little thank oh, you. Oh, my God, what a Sally. Like he just hit a three, Steph Curry. Yeah, yeah right in their eye. So.
0: And give Markstrom a lot of credit because he showed up.
2: Yeah, on the second half of a back-to-back, playing both games.
0: That was a
1: bold move. That was Daryl Sutter. You know, uh, Gabby just talked about giving a guy rope to hang himself, yeah. saying if a guy comes in and wants more ice, I'll give it to him, and then I have a, the hammer if it doesn't work out. That's what they did with Markstrom. It's okay, you be the guy. I know it's too late in the season to do anything, but they basically said, this season's on you now, pal. We spend a lot of money on you being the starter. Prove it.
0: winnipeg could have buried calgary last night they didn't calgary saves their season uh but still no guarantees right no i mean calgary has one less game
1: remaining the jets have four they have three and winnipeg has the um regulation wins hammer so not only do they need to finish ahead of or sorry need to have less games to do it they need to finish ahead of winnipeg that loss to the
2: Blackhawks. blackhawks it's just will loom it's gonna loom, should over loom. well i you mean should they've punished i mean they've that. lost a lot of loomers this year There's <laughs> like, like a lot loom in there yeah like how many games have they lost in ot they have 15 overtime losses this year
0: you win two of those that's baffling you win two of those it's crazy it's crazy calgary has vancouver saturday they're in vancouver Oddest they, team in the league. Then they finish Nashville, San Jose. They've lost two in a row.
1: Oh, are they?
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> Winnipeg, Nashville, San Jose. Mini. Colorado. Mm. But still.
1: The Mini and Colorado at the end of that are quite interesting if you're a Flames fan. The, the Jets do not look like the type of team that would beat those teams if those teams are incentivized to win. Depends how how much they're leaning on it at that point.
0: Seattle. They can clinch a playoff spot with a win tonight.
1: First that's, playoffs yeah, in franchise uh, history, year uh, two, pretty good.
0: Yeah, I didn't see it coming.
1: I didn't either. Take out a second mortgage to get tickets there. Is it still yeah? <laughs> you know, in playoffs, I'm sure it's yeah. going to be through the roof. Yeah, that's okay though.
0: They're kind of flying solo. No NBA team there yet. Mm, that'll yeah. that'll change things, I think. Yeah, For demand, have... but. In the meantime, they too? they're holding their spot. <laughs> yeah, you What's that? buy you that, that part of that too, one Ken? too? Oh, stop it! <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, it's uh, it's not like they went out there and and said we got to win it all. Like Vegas gave us uh, that impression the moment they they started, right. but. Yeah, that's a good accomplishment for Ron Francis and company. Yeah,
1: you know, they they went about it a lot differently than Vegas. I think they tried to prioritize goaltending and defense. They've done that pretty well. You know, they're pretty sound team. I Not they're, a cracking guy here personally, but... I'm
2: just looking at their lineup. It's just so unsexy. I know. Like, from the
1: top to bottom. I, you know, not I, even
2: ears. I guess, is pretty sexy, but outside of that, it's
1: just... We've it's said all year that the West is not very good, and so when you're the seventh team in playoffs and a not very good conference, they're probably fine. Like that, they're, they're fine. They're probably the seventeenth best team in the league this year. The Leafs went in there and just
2: beat them soundly. I was like, "This team's a playoff team, eh?" Like, yeah, I, I, mean, remember, were, I remember they, thinking they that.
0: were going through a funk there too.
2: Yeah, but now they they beat the they won eight two their last game. So we'll see. I mean, listen, I like I love playoff hockey, but boy. Like, are you gonna be? I think that might be on the bottom of my bingo card. Like a, a oh, it's
1: gonna ve- be like Dallas, a,
2: a Seattle, event, or something? Vegas, Seattle playoff yeah. series, or Colorado, Seattle. Sheesh. It's like uh, I don't. Know. That was low on the bingo card.
0: I had no idea Jared McCann had thirty-seven goals. Yeah.
1: That's whoopsie.
0: That's a nice number.
1: Yeah. If if uh, Kerfoot gets twenty-five tonight, he'll be a couple behind.
2: That was a whoopsie. <laughs> that was a whoopsie. An underrated one.
0: Wow. And Hall, too, they protected, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is McCann, McCann, uh, uh, McCann's on a new contract, too? Is he a $5 million player now? Yeah. They signed yeah. him to a $5 million. That would have been tricky, too, for them, though. Yeah, but you
2: get rid of the 3.5, and then you lose
0: money. They're,
1: that was definitely part of it was the finances of it, right?
2: Yeah, probably a little bit. Hall being dirt but cheap. But they, they love Kerfoot. Love him. So here, here's the thing I will say, a little caveat, too, with uh, Jared McCann. His career shooting percentage is 12.1. He's shooting 19.5% this year.
1: Had one of those years, eh? You
2: wouldn't want to bet on him, I don't think. The pucks are entering the net when he is shooting them at a yes. very high clip. Yeah,
0: but sometimes it takes guys a little longer to find it. Oh, yeah. I.E. Ryan Nugent Hopkins took him. What's he, 30-something? 12 years. (laughs) Took him 12 years to turn into a 100-point guy.
2: Yeah, listen. What a baffling... He's having a A lot of grooming. He's having an excellent year, but him and that whole power play, like, he's just... like, what half of think?
0: those points are on the power play, yeah, or they're I mean. not i
2: have
1: no idea oh they are
2: let's look they are there he i think he had like 35 power play points or more than that maybe 50 no he's up around 50
1: has 52 power yeah, play points
2: he's had an awesome year but at even Boy, strength is that, that,
0: that uh that power play is like how,
1: how do you it doesn't look
2: like they're playing go, against
0: how do nhl, NHL go players, players when you they're trying to it. hit them knowing that if you get a penalty it's gonna bite you in the ass
1: well that's a, a great point you know that would affect your five on five play like you can't put them on the power play i'm sure they're whoever plays their coaches against them is going would be like hey gonna have to give them a little extra leeway here boys like we can't kill off five power plays a night against them we will fail you can put them on the power play two three times a game tops otherwise you're giving up an extra couple yeah. McDavid has three games to score two points and hit 150 points this year. That's pretty baffling. And the dry is going to have the quietest 125 point season in NHL history. You
0: think, uh, Oh, just to, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say like uh, McDavid's at what 62 right now. Yeah. You think there's a, I mean, everybody was thought 70 was a lock almost yeah. uh, about three weeks ago.
1: Yeah, scoring goals is hard. <laughs> you know, tough to keep
2: that up. Very
0: disappointed if he just finishes with like sixty four.
2: Yeah. Well, that's looking likely now. What a brutal year. Um, Kale McCarr.
0: Oh, you know out what? Out indefinitely. Just out or, indefinitely. Lower
2: body injury. Yeah.
0: Oh no. Yeah. Boys, the Avs. They were going to. Uh, they're 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 close on Josh Manson coming back.
1: That's not quite a fair no, trade. No, it's
0: not. But. You thought they were going to get healthy a little bit. Landis Cog, guys, I know he's on the road practicing with him. I hear it's touch and go whether or not he plays at all this season.
1: Really? If you don't have McCarr and you don't have Landis Cog, that team is very gettable. Like it's, very he, gettable.
0: He's, he's not out of the woods with uh, his, uh, his situation.
1: I'm going to read you the points of the teams in the Central Division right now. The Colorado Avalanche have 98, 98. The Dallas Stars have 98. The Minnesota Wild have 98. 98. Three-way tie for first in the Central. Pretty big battle there, yeah. considering how soft it is at the uh, in the wild card positions. Edmonton. Whoever wins gets Seattle, basically.
0: Edmonton's just been on fire. And Skinner, guys, Skinner, 11-1-1 since March 1st. What's the save percentage over that time, do you know? Uh, really good really i don't really know. good well i mean, how can it not be really good well they I, scored
1: they scored eight goals a game yeah so. i thought he was
2: how like, can
0: it not be really good he's 11 one and one
1: <laughs> doesn't matter if you get if you score a dozen a game yeah um, let me look it up here yeah that would make a world of difference if him or campbell were suddenly really hot holy smokes would that be a dangerous team yeah his last two games he's a 952 and a one or in a 1.0 had four dogs below 900 before that,
0: but yeah, he's been good. He joins Matt Murray as the only rookie goalie to win more than 25 games in the last dozen years.
1: Matt Murray, hey?
2: That's pretty much the only thing he joins him with.
0: Are we uh, Who's, Any updates uh, on Matt who, Murray for no. us? Who's, uh, yeah, um, symptomatic. Symptomatic? Yes. Oh, boy. Uh, f- started the week feeling worse than uh, I think he did Sunday. Oof. All right. Joe Wool
1: and Samson So the
0: the Leafs would have the option, I guess, still putting him on long term IR. But then if you do, then you you don't you you know for sure you cannot get a couple of games in if he feels better, I guess.
1: I yeah, I don't see any
0: point in point that. Yeah. that. Yeah. And I don't think that there would be any issues. Would there be any issues to add Nice's contract if without needing to shuffle the roster at all? I don't know. I don't know. That's something to look into, though.
1: On emergency recall, so it doesn't count towards the cap? I think so. Yeah. I'm sure there's some shuffling around they would make happen to do that. It'll be interesting. Like, the puck drops in nine minutes on the Golden Gophers semifinal Frozen Four game. Very exciting for Matthew Nyes. They
0: lose... That on TV? Can we watch that? Or are we got to?
1: It's on ESPN. I don't know if TSN's Is picking streaming, it streaming. That
0: streaming probably thing. Streaming. So am I going to see a pinwheel the whole game?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Are you using a Dell from 1998? <laughs> and, you can, and you can
2: remind us that you can be us. We can be seen on Sports Net now. <laughs> yes, we are on Sportsnet. Yeah, so maybe pinwheel on Kipper's face.
1: <laughs> but yeah, so that it'll be interesting to see. Like, presumably, if they lose, he goes out with his teammates that night, right? And then the next day gets on a plane, or is it like, hey, I can't go party? You gotta have one night with the boys, don't but you? It,
0: you just got knocked out. You're gonna go and party? Or are you just gonna sit around and well, yeah. and drink a lot and I, feel I sorry for yourself? I can tell you what I would
1: have done. <laughs> you sit at home and unlose. You lost. The season's yeah. over. Yeah, yeah, I hey, I there's a it.
2: very, very good saying that I like to live by: Win or lose, hit the booze. It,
1: we booze. <laughs> yeah. Can I remind you about his book? <laughs>
2: That slogan, win or lose,
1: Seawolves, booze, did not serve me well over my life. Uh,
2: Yeah, listen, I'm not talking about boring. I'm just talking (laughs) about myself. I play beer league. We don't win a lot.
0: (laughs) All right, anything else uh, interests you tonight uh, in the National Hockey League? Nothing. Toronto, Maple Leafs, Boston. Nashville, Carolina. Nashville has to win.
2: Nothing else. Just Toronto, Boston tonight. Tampa Bay Islanders. Big game for the
0: Isles. Okay, boys. Here it is in a nutshell. Give me what you got tonight. Sammy, you go first. I think that on a big
2: goalie's go goal night tonight, I think the Leafs are going to win. I think it's going to give us a lot of things to talk about. There's going to be a lot of hope in the, in the fan base. And the Bruins are not, everybody from the Bruins side will be like, ah, they're not, like, they're not taking it too seriously. And I think we're coming in here tomorrow talking about the Leafs win. Please win.
0: <laughs> I, I like Ryan O'Reilly coming back, yeah. giving them some juice. So I'll go with Sammy and and call for uh, uh, 4-2.
1: Will we have any fireworks tonight? Do you think there will be any fisticuffs?
0: Yeah, I do. I think, uh, I don't know about fisticuffs, but I think we're going to see a few scrums tonight. I really do. I think think Trent Frederick's going to grab Michael Bunting and go. I'd really like to see Michael Bunting just wallop somebody.
1: Just get, would it make you just get beat up by Trent Frederick to prove a point?
0: Yeah.
2: Luke Shannon will grab onto somebody tonight. Luke will sure. help. Yeah.
0: All right. We hope everybody enjoys the game tonight. Of course, we're going to be back tomorrow, the three of us, to break it all down for you. Our thanks to Bruce Boudreaux. Our thanks to Jason Bukala and Andy Brickley. Give us a rating and review if you get a chance. We love to hear from you. In the meantime, have a great night, and we're back tomorrow. More Real Kipper and Born.